you know, I, I graduated from a small town in East Texas. Um, and, and honestly, the, the military for me was, was my escape of small town and, and to just get out in life. So, you know, there was, there was no, you know, I, I need to go serve. Like I just needed an out of small town build sure. and, and the military, whether it was the army, the air force was going to be my way. And, and mine would just happen to be the air force. Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking a job at Nick. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Caps. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome back to the show. Today I have a guest that is probably going to absolutely amaze you. Like, I'm going to introduce him and I'm going to um, talk about a few things that he's done. And it kind of makes me envious, you know, like I'm 52 years old and Jay Zeller, how old are you, Jay? 47. 47. Okay, so all these things I'm fixing to name off. He's actually accomplished in five yet less years than me, which is absolutely crazy. Jay Zeller is a guy that's been in education for 21 years. He is currently the director of athletics at Brazo Sport ISD, which is in Texas, has two high schools, three intermediate schools that, you know, he's in charge of. Prior to education, he was uh, in the security forces He was a security forces airman in the U.S. Air Force, which is crazy. Spent four years doing that. Got out, went to work as a PI, you know, until he started teaching and coaching, which is very interesting. Like, I think that would be something great we've got to dive into because I've often thought about myself, you know, being a PI. I think I'd be good at that. I think that'd be fun. Um, He's married to Rochelle, been married 29 years. They're actually starting to date again now because – his three kids are out of the house, which is, you know, pretty cool. He's written three books, uh, one of which I just got through reading, Everything Matters. Uh, he has started a podcast, which, you know, is awesome. He's several episodes in, which I've listened to all of them. And I'm not done. Think about these challenges he's done. He's done countless Spartan races, the Sprint, the Super, the Beast, the Ultra. He's done mud runs. He's done a marathon. He's done a full Ironman. Most recently, the Baton Memorial Death March, 26.2-mile ruck with with a minimum of 35 pounds on. And his latest challenge is the reason why we're having this conversation this morning, to be honest with you, because, you know, we have been friends through a mastermind group that we are a part of, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, he entered the last annual Vol State uh, 500K race, which is um you know it's from somewhere in missouri to somewhere in georgia you know it's a long way and jay made it 122 and a half miles in two days and 23 hours and it was actually his first ever dnf right the first time you entered and did not finish and 
when I saw you had entered it because I'm a success hotline caller. Okay. Like if you're not a success hotline caller, I'm going to write, I'm going to give you this number right now because it's just something that you ought to do. Uh, success hotline with Dr. Gilbert. The phone number is 973-743-4690. He's actually on his uh, hotline right now. He's following Dr. Terry through the exact same race. So I was already aware of the race, which I just become aware of it through the success hotline. But then I saw where Jay Zeller was, you know, competing in the last annual Vol State. It just intrigued me. Like I just, I just want to know more. So first of all, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. I appreciate it, John, and enjoy getting to visit with you. And it uh, somewhat humbling uh, to be able to to be interviewed and, and to to hear all of that is. Uh, you know, it, 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 those are all things I like to do just to keep pushing myself to just kind of stay alive um, and and remind myself that to not get comfortable. So it's just it, it, but it's been it's been a fun adventure. Um, well, you know, it's kind of, you know, kind of <laughs> I'm kind of envious for the amount of things because there's a lot of things I've just come into, you know, like I started reading 13 years ago. Absolutely love it. You know, I started podcasting probably. You know, I mean, as far as listening five, six, seven years ago, like there were just so many things that I wasn't even aware of, you know, and now, you know, I've got into walking, which I'm not nowhere close to entering mm -hmm. one of these. But, you know, like, what is your thought when you when you sign up for the last annual Vol State race? What are you thinking when you sign up and, you know, just kind of talk to me about that race just in general, because I'm I'm extremely intrigued about the challenge that you took on. Yeah, so I think let me start with how I even learned about it because this is a race that wasn't even in my vocabulary. Um, I, I've never done, um, you know, people that do this race and races like this are, are ultra runners, um, and that was never really my thing. Marathon and below, really, honestly, uh, I only did a marathon because Brian Kane, uh, we, we were doing a professional development when I was at Grapevine Colleyville and, and he worked with me a lot as we set it up and we were talking about Spartans and he wanted to do a, uh, a marathon. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll do one with you. So he picked Estes Park, Colorado to do our marathon. And here I am in Texas. And, um, but you know, it, so that was at the time kind of my extreme. I was, I'm more comfortable in that, you know, 5k to sure. you know, 15 mile Spartan range. Those, those became comfortable for me. So I, I ventured out on this, but where I got this from was the, the mastermind. Uh, Dr. Gilbert was talking to us back in January of this year. And he just happened to, you know, he does stories. Sure. Um, and he just happened to be talking about Dr. Terry and her book, uh, which is called It's Not About the Miles, Lessons from the Road. And this book is about her 2021 Vol State experience. Coach, it's 500 pages. Um, I got through it, and I, I'm, I'm not a fast reader, uh, but I was so intrigued by the story um, that I couldn't put it down. And so... I got to a point, I don't even remember exactly where, but, you know, I may be a quarter of the way through it. And I got the the itch for figuring out what this Vol State is. So I went to YouTube 
and just happened to find some people that have done it and did their videos. And I, so I saw what she's talking about. And so I thought, if Dr. Terry can do it, she's 74 years <laughs> old this year. Coach. Right. My, I think I want, I want this to be my next test. I think I can do this. And so I go to sign up and, and there's a wait list. So I back out of it. Um, and, and I decided I would reach out to her and just tell her, you know, how her story at the time, as I'm reading this still had impacted me and really had, had driven me to want to do something more, uh, and test myself beyond what I, what I was comfortable with. Uh, it, it sounds weird to say, but, uh, you know, doing the baton, which is a marathon with a ruck, you know, that's not comfortable, but I wasn't afraid of it. Sure. Um, I've gotten to the point where I knew I could do it, probably going to cause some discomfort, but you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm kind of the, the, the type of guy that I, I want something that's going to make me a little bit nervous when I step to the sure. starting line. And so in, in talking with, with Dr. Terry, uh, who is just a fantastic person, um, she really encouraged me to go ahead and register and, and get in the wait list because people drop all the time. And so anyway, long story short, I, I do that. And, and I get in what's called the crude um, version. And and so I, I don't know where we're at now. So if, if I've answered the first question, I, that that's how I came to find sure. out about it and sure. was my draw to it. Well, let me ask you this because I, I have been listening. There is a crude and there is a screwed, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you did the crude, which was great because I think your wife crewed it for you, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. But what does the screwed mean? So screwed means you, you're screwed. Uh, you're, you're out there by yourself. Uh, so the screwed people, um, there, there are no aid stations. You know, like when you run a, a marathon every two miles, there's a water station. Uh, this, this race sure. is set up, you know, there's a start and a finish. The interesting thing about Ball State, though, is is it, it's, it uh, has been going on for so long that people know the route. The locals become your aid stations. And, you know, you may go 16 miles without seeing one. Uh, we didn't see one at the start until probably mile 15. But right. once you get into it, you start seeing those aid stations. Well, for the screwed runners, they're completely self-sufficient. They're they're whatever they can carry on them. That's the supplies that they have. When they pass a gas station, that's their that's their resupply. Or these road angel spots, that's their resupply. Um, so they are one hundred percent reliant on what they come across on the path. Okay, uh, let me ask you this. Let okay. me ask you before you finish. Okay, like if if you know, uh, they're like Dr. Terry, as, as we're taping this yeah. it, at, at 74 years old, um, she is at mile 256, you know, cause you yeah. can follow this online and I've kind of got the website. She's at mile 256. So like along that path, you know, can she shower? Can she mm -hmm. change clothes? Can she, I mean, obviously they're eating and drinking, but you're just saying it all has to come on that path. Like I think yeah. Dr. Uh, Gilbert said she slept at a, 
Dollar General um, the other night, you know, like, yeah, just, you yeah. just have to so, be at the mercy of the people. You're at the mercy of the people, but you're also at the mercy of the, of the path. The only thing you cannot do is get in a vehicle. Um, so if, in Dr. Terry's case, you know, as, or, or even in my case, as I was, um, even though I was crude, if I come across a hotel, I can get off the course, go into the hotel, shower, get a little bit of sleep, tend to my feet, and then come right back to the course where I got off and continue on. Sure. Um, you, you can't, you can't manipulate the course. Like I'm going to get off, you know, half a mile and I'm, I'll do it an angle back to it. You have sure. to get, you go right back to where you got off. So that is what um, Dr. Terry and other, you know, screwed people are doing. But the, the amazing thing about all, not a lot, but some of the, the road angel, spots had these great lounger chairs and um part of my demise uh early sunday morning in in the overnight hours was missing the road angel spot that dr terry had told me about at, at mile 116 there was another one at about mile 115 115 and a half and had i known and gone past that, known where this one was, the things that I needed that night were at this one. They had the loungers, they had blankets. Sure. The, the one prior to that was awesome. They're still, you know, they, they had a tarp on the ground, they had a canopy, they had water, they had all this stuff, they had chairs, but I, I was sleeping on, on a tarp in their front yard or trying to sleep. And that was sure. my problem. So, um, so yeah, they're able to do anything that they come across on the, on the path is, is fair game other than getting in a car. Right. Um, so, well, I think one of the things that people will love about this episode is I know you are a growth mindset guy, as I am. So the information that they're going to be able to pull out of this is going to be awesome. Um, Jay's podcast is The Coach's Impact. And if you go pull it up, episode two, three, four, whatever it is, is there's an interview with Dr. Terry, who is um, currently in the race right now. That interview is awesome. And what I... One of the things I gathered from that interview is it is a community. Like she shows up and does it because those people are her friends, you know, like she has a community of folks. And, you know, I think that is absolutely awesome. All right. Let me ask you this. What, you know, I think it's, is it 500 miles in nine days? It, it's a, uh, it's a 500 K. So it's 314 okay. miles. Yes. And you have to finish in 10 days. 314 miles in 10 days. So as you prepare for it, first of all, how do you prepare for it? And second of all, what were your goals? Like what were your, you know, I know you probably had this uh, plan in place to finish it. So like what, you know, how do you prepare if mm -hmm. possible? And then what were your goals going into the race? Yeah. So the, the easy one uh, is the, the latter question. And that is my goal going into the race was to finish. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it was such an extreme race and such so different for me that what I kept saying was while I want to finish, cause I, I, I don't, like I like you said, I, I've I've never DNF'd. I've never not finished something. Even the Ironman, which I, I really didn't even train properly for. Um, and so I, I always thought that I would finish, but I told myself, regardless of what happens, I'm getting to the starting line. 
Um, so probably that became goal number one for me was to continue to beat my mind and not be afraid of what was ahead and show up and and just go compete and and do what you can do and, and find out about yourself things that you didn't know before. So that that was kind of a long goal. Um, finishing was easy, but showing up was probably more important to me sure. than, than anything that happened. Um, what was the first part of that again? How did you prepare? Which I know. Okay. You know, Sorry. I mean, I'm sure that's probably. Yeah. So, awesome. so it, you know, a one word answer is uh, walk. Um, <laughs> I walked, but here's the thing, John. Um, you know, when you work full time and in, and in our career field, it's not impossible to train for, um, but it, it is difficult to log the kind of miles that really prepare your body for for what you're going to encounter. Because training for things that I normally do, this is completely different. Didn't know that really. Um, so what I learned was if I were to do this again, the walking part, this is going to sound weird. The, the walking part, I never really felt like I had reached my limit. What got me was the results of walking sure. that far. Sure. Foot care, um, you know, you know, in mind care, you just kind of deal with those things. That, that's going to be nature of the beast. What I did not anticipate was the, the problems with my feet. Um, because I've never experienced blisters. I've never experienced the the kind of swelling that that I did in my feet. So I've never had to prepare my feet or tend to my feet the way that I needed to during this race. And and ultimately that was one of the things that I tried as I got up Saturday morning and got back out on the road. I think uh, I'm not a hundred percent, but I think is what kind of led to my demise. So the the lesson is learn more about how to how to take care of your body over the course of something like this that is more important than really the the training because if you're going to do something like this you're you're out walking um or running or doing something you're, you're doing something like that so it's not hey you know this week i'm going to get 100 miles in you know to, to to train properly i never got 100 mile weeks in yeah. Um, and, and that was never my problem. So it, it's, it's learning how to take care of your body, I think is probably the most important. And then the, I think the, the last part of your question was the plan. So it's, it's funny because Rochelle and I, you know, I, I'm making my plans and I'm making her plans. Um, and you know, where is she going to stay at night? She doesn't, she doesn't see well at, at night. So, sure. uh, it was always about where is Rochelle going to stay along the route or close to the route so that she is safe while I'm out. Uh, and it's difficult to plan because you don't know at, you know, when I'm sitting in my house the day before we leave, trying to plan out our first few days, I don't know how far I'm going to go, you know, in the first 24 and 36 hours. Did you have a goal? You know, like I can take 314 miles and divide by 10 days and figure out, you know, you got to yeah. be somewhere around 30 miles a day. Like, did you have a goal? Yeah, I, I I had hoped day one to get to 48 miles. Okay. Um, and ultimately I got to 55. Ooh. Um and, what kind of pace? Uh a little bit more than than three miles um per hour. Um uh, so I was in day one, I was kind of trending in the in the mid 17 to 18, um, mid 17 to mid 18 minute mile pace. Wow. 
uh, which is, you know, just a, it's it's three and a quarter to three and a half miles an hour. Um, as I, you know, w- I knew when I needed to take a break because that pace started to get into the 19s. And if I saw 20, like it's time to get off my feet because I've, I've dramatically slowed down or drastically slowed down. So um, what I learned was a race like this, you can't plan your stops, you know, three and four and five days into the race. What you have to do is plan based on what your body is telling you at the time. And it might be that, okay, if I'm between, you know, halfway between, you know, town A and town B, that my new plan is to get to town B and take three hours off. Um, that was another area where I went wrong. Well, you know, one of my favorite leadership lessons that I learned early, the first book I I read, you know, 13, 14 years ago that got me started in reading was Good to Great by Jim Collins. Somebody had referenced it at a clinic. You know, I bought it. I read it. Well, one of the, one of his, one of his philosophies or things that he, you know, came up with was the 20 mile March. You know, the 20 mile March was a race between a guy named Roald A. Munson and Robert Falcon Scott, their their goal was to reach the South Pole. It's 1911. So the goal is to reach the South Pole. It's never been reached. It's never been conquered. And they sat down, you know, and they had the same distance from where they were to the South Pole. And they planned and they, you know, practiced and they set up the, the you know, little uh, shelters along the way that held their storage and they, all this. And they took off racing. Well, you know, one group, uh, the Scott clan, they took off with the intentions of going 20 miles every single day, no matter what, 20 miles. We're going 20 miles and we're going to hunker down. 20 miles, we're going to hunker down. Didn't matter what the weather was doing. The other group was going to make hay on the good days and rest on the bad. So they might go, you know, 55 miles today, but if it's a blizzard tomorrow, they were going to camp in. Well, the group that went 20 miles every day actually got there long before the other crew and the other crew was so disheartened when they got there and saw the other, uh, I think it was Austria where uh, Scott was from, the flag planted. Then they turned around because they had to make the trek back home. There was nobody to pick them up. Like they had to make, you know, well, this, this group that lost actually died on the way back to uh, base camp, you know, and some of that they say was because they were disappointed. But I would just be curious, you know, the people that, you know, in business. And what I took from that was this every single day, you know, I got to get up and read a book every single day. Like I got to march to, I got to, you know, and it could be 30 minutes, you know, like that's my goal minimum 30 minutes every day. Like that's my, that's my 20 mile March. Or if I'm a walker, like what's my, you know, I would be interested in, you know, the ones that, you know, like Dr. Terry or the ones that, you know, win that thing, you know, are they, you know, are they wearing themselves out and then resting or are they, 20 mile marching it you know what i'm saying do you do you know do you have any thought on that yeah so there's there's a huge extreme so the 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 first two finishers finished i think the first one was three days and 17 hours and the second place was three days and uh 22 hours or something like that like those guys are they're getting it they're jogging um the and then there are some that kind of jog walk and so Honestly, it really, this race is when you show up uh, at, at the last supper, which is the night before you get all the, in, the instructions and rules. 
is such a wide range of people. Um, but John, to be honest with you, I, I would have been in the younger class of people really at 47 years old. There, there are a good number of people like Terry is not on an Island by herself at 74 sure. years old. Sure. Um, there, <clears throat> it, it's a community that, um, it, you know, like you said, they, they just have great relationships with each other. They know each other from, from, um, from various races or from this one. And so I would say getting back to your question, there's not just one specific plan. It it really depends on the type of ultra runner that they are. Um, I can tell you that Terry's goal. So you, you have to get 31.4 miles per day to stay ahead of, of what the race um, dubs is uh, Oprah. Oprah is, is the last person uh, which is a fake person that, and, and, but you see Oprah on the, on the tracker. And if Oprah passes you, uh, my understanding is they're either going to pick you up because your, your race is over, or if you're close enough, you have to create a plan, um, that they allow you to then stay on the course, but to a plan to get ahead of Oprah. Sure. Um, and so Terry's plan is, is really, um, she, she, because rest is so important. It's so important. Uh, you don't know until, you know, um, I think her plan is to try and get three hours every day, but her, and I don't know exactly what her pace is, but you know, she's ahead of, um, she's probably doing better than she thought she would, she would do. Uh, she's ahead of Oprah, uh, a, a good ways. Um, she's got a little bit of a buffer, but you know, she's, she's probably getting a mile and a half to two miles, uh, uh every hour would be my guess. Um, but hey, slow and steady pace and rest. Sure. How many people started the race? 130. How many will finish? Well, it, it, dif- it's, it's different every year. Um, but more than half of the, of the, um, of the pack will likely finish. Sure. Um, I, the last time I looked, um, there were still right at about a hundred in the race. Yep. Um, so it, you know, it, it's really, um, yeah, there's, there's 95 still in the race. Uh, sure. 93 still in the race right now, not counting. Well, I'm going to tell you something that I, that I, you know, something that I'm big on that, you know, I try to intentionally do for myself and that, is you know train my own mind you know and and like putting in this kind of stuff you know like having not done that but like me having this conversation with you will make me today want to go out and instead of walking two miles I'll go you know I'll try to go five miles just because you know I want to be better today like it, it fills my cup let me ask you this have you seen the documentary just one mile no Oh my gosh. Look here, write that down. Just one mile. It's a documentary of Chad Wright. So when you're talking about self-care and your feet and your, I totally get it. I watched this uh, two days ago as a recommendation from someone else. You can buy it on Amazon. I think for a dollar 99, you gotta, you gotta rent it, but it is Chad Wright, who was a former Navy SEAL, who is a complete bad mofo. Okay. They show up at this race And this is the race. It's in a guy's, it's on a guy's property. It is a 1.1 mile loop. Okay. 
and Chad is a freak. Like he's an ultra guy. Like he's a former Navy SEAL. Like his mind is like he's he is unbelievable. Okay. Well, the objective of the race is you have to finish the 1.1 mile loop in 20 minutes. At the 20 minute mark, it restarts again. Okay. Yes. So every 20 minutes you have to, and it's up a freaking mountain, down a mountain, like it's you know, a 400 degree incline. Well, you know, and the race ends when the last man is standing, like there is no end to it. So Chad goes into it and man, it's, it is crazy how his mindset his you know, people would start complaining and Chad, when he made that loop, he'd made it at about 18 minutes was his, and he'd sit down and rest for two, 18 and two, 18 and two. And I think, um, he ended up going, I don't know, it was three days and maybe, I don't know, 150 loops or something like it was ridiculous what that guy did. And when he got through, he was upset because, you know, the other guy that it had gotten down to two people, you know, mm -hmm. and he was upset that he didn't get to push. <clears throat> he wanted to see what his limit was. He said, I'm not at my limit. Like, I want to do it again, you know, but he, you got to have a competitor, you know, to push you to do it again. But that show, that hour and a half was outstanding on mindset, on how you can talk to yourself rather than listen to yourself. And, you know, I think you will find that um, really, really, really good. Well, that, that you know, that just, I don't know, that just when I knew you were doing that because – the last book I read, Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter, has kind of sent me down this path of, you know, we're way too comfortable in this world. You know, like we're, we, yeah. I've got a recliner in there that I actually hit a button and it automatically, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't even have to pull a yeah. lever no more. I don't have to kick back. Like, we are so comfortable. And I think doing things that make us uncomfortable is, you know, really what we all should start doing on a smaller scale because it's yeah. in the uncomfort that we, you know, great things happen, you know, like your, right. your mindset, even though, you know, you DNF your mindset from approaching that is 10 times better than it was before you did it. You know, what you learned and grew and got out of that um, is tremendous. percent. This To get off the, uh, the racing thing for a minute. Take me back to what is a security forces airman? You know, like how did you come by going into the air force? Um, what is that? That just kind of, you know, intrigues me. Yeah. So, you know, I, I graduated from a small town in East Texas. Um, and, and honestly, the, the military for me was, was my escape of small town and, and to just get out in life. So, you know, there was, there was no, you know, I, I need to go serve. Like I just needed an out of small town build sure. and, and the military, whether it was the army, the air force was going to be my way. And, and mine would just happen to be the air force. Well, so the, the security forces is, is your military police of the air force. Uh, each branch calls it something different. Um, and at the time that I was in, the Air Force had what they called a law enforcement branch, was which is your really your base police. It's your average, you know, city police department uh, is what you would think. Uh, that's what law enforcement was. Security forces was a whole different branch of of that same squadron, and and our task was security of the flight line, uh, planes, 
weapon storage areas, uh, things like that. So we were not base law enforcement. We were securing the stuff that was on the base. That's awesome. You know, like what, you know, that coming out, how did you decide? I mean, I know, you know, the Air Force, how did you decide on the Air Force? Um, I, I, honestly, John, um, I, I was just smart enough <laughs> sure. to choose that path. Uh, my ASVAB scores were, were such that provided me with some options. Um, and you, you know, the Air Force has a little bit stricter, um, entry, uh, as far as your, your scores on your ASVAB to get in, uh, army, you know, you can pretty much take the test and get in. Sure. Um, it's just a different quality of life. Um, not ashamed to say it, you know, if you can do it, um, go to the air force, your, sure. your quality of life is going to be different on an air force base than on an army base. And, and I don't have experience, um, you know, in the Marines or, or sure. Navy, but, but part of my training was, was on an army base. And so I do have experience with that. My son was in the army, um, and, you know, I, I wrote about this in my first, uh, my second book, um, his experience through, <clears throat> excuse me, through the ASVAB and through MEPS and then and then uh, through the Army. Like, it's just different. Uh, it, and if his scores were higher, you know, he would have been in the Air Force and who knows, sure. he might still be in. Sure. Um, but my when I talk to people about the military, uh, First and foremost, like if you if you're going into the military, like get after it, um, because whatever your reason is, you're still going in and you're serving our country. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the the rationale for you individually is. You're taking that step and, and entering and serving at whatever career and, and job that you you then get into, whether it's the Air Force, Army, Navy, or Marines. Um so just I tell people, do it. Uh, it's yes. worth it. Um, it it's going to end up being worth it for you in the long run, personally, whether you stay in and retire or or if you don't, like myself, um, do it. Get yourself on track. Like my son, the, the conversations that we had um, in the second book, um, Becoming a Soldier, really kind of lays out my son's senior year, some of the some of the struggles that he was having and, and some of our conversations and getting him into Spartans because of his, just to get that mindset. And, you know, you know my son was not a, an academic. Um, so I was not paying for college for him until he got his head on his shoulders. And so for me, his path was the military. Sure. Um, and, and, but the military sets you up for so many other things. You're going to have even the most disciplined and organized person is going to gain from that experience. You're going to come out ahead. Um, but man, what, one of the biggest things, and I'll just tell you about mine, uh, because I'm a Texas resident. Not only do I get the GI bill, which GI bill when I was in is way different than GI bill. Now, um, the post nine 11 GI bill is awesome for our veterans, uh, way better than, than just the, the GI bill that I had. Uh, but anything's better than nothing. Sure. Um, but Texas, and I don't know about other states, but Texas takes care of its veterans by by giving them another 150 credit hours after they've exhausted their GI Bill. 
but those 150 hours are transferable to your kids and in your family. That's huge. So right now my daughter is signed up using some of my Hazelwood uh, hours. That's how I got my master's. Um, So there, there are so many things that, that benefit you personally by that service, whether you do four years or 20, I, I encourage people to not be afraid of the military route. It is so good um, that, it, you know, it's one of the things I think a lot of kids need yep. uh, for more reasons than just they they need something to do. Uh, it's it, I think it sets you up um, to be more mature, to, to go tackle college if you're not quite ready, to go tackle the workforce. You're going to come out of that if you do four years and get out way better and more prepared than uh, if you, in my opinion, um, go to college and, and not that, you know, that's a good route. Sure. A lot of people go to college and they're ready, but the experience in the military and the things that are required of you, I think you come out more prepared for life um, by having that experience. No doubt. You know, and I think one thing that our kids today graduate high school without is the basics of, of leadership, you know, like how to be a leader, what to be expected of a leader, leadership in general. I think we shortchange them in the military, all branches, you know, they have the leadership thing figured out. So whether you're a four-year guy or a gal or a Mm 20-year guy or gal, you're going to leave there with better leadership skills than you went into. And you're going to leave there with better leadership skills than the person who left high school and went to college because to be honest with you, that first year of college for me, because I grew up the son of a a preacher and, you know, pretty strict family that first year, I barely survived it. You know, like it was, I would have been better off. And, you know, we had some recruiters come in last spring and talk to our kids when those recruiters left, like I wanted to sign up, you know, like (laughs) the benefits were so awesome, you know, that I'm like, I didn't really understand why they all didn't sign up, you know, like I know there's, you know, the, the fear, the fear factor is huge. Okay. But the reality is it would be one of the better decisions. All right, let's fast forward. Um, We get out of the air force. And then at this point in time, I'm not sure if we have or have not had thoughts of getting into education, but we become a PI. Um, that that's interesting to me. Like I I've, you know, like what was that about? Like, how did you, obviously it's, you know, being a security forces airman kind of led you in that direction, mm-hmm. but what were the benefits of being a PI? What were some of the disadvantages? What were, you know, some of the privileges, like what was the job? So, uh, you know, my, my resume when I got out was, High school and U.S. Air Force Security Forces. Well, the last probably, oh, nine months to nine to 12 months of my Air Force career, I I had become CCTV certified. So basically I was in a building um, controlling sensors and and monitoring um, uh, closed circuit televisions and and video surveillance of of, – the surrounding areas of the weapon storage area that, that we worked at. So there was a kind of a little bit of a tie-in to that was a, a bullet on my resume and probably helped a little bit just because of that surveillance piece. Um, 
but you know moving back to north texas and you know trying to figure out a, a job I, you know i saw this pi post and so i went in and interviewed john the the job is a lot of people think a pi you think you know domestic surveillance you sure. know husband wife um sometimes you know insurance fraud type things it I did PI work for five years. I did it for probably three, three and a half years full time. And then I decided I was going to go back and, and finish my education. I'd already had about half of it when I was in the Air Force. Um, but it, it, the decision became about family. When I got out of the Air Force, my son was six months old. My daughter was on the way. Guardian caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive subconcussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. Really, the job is you are home base for me was Dallas Fort Worth. I lived about 90, 90 minutes from there. So I had to go into the office, you know, every few days to pick up new cases. Um, but I could be in Houston, uh, Louisiana, uh, you know, Dallas or, or any, I could be anywhere in, in this south uh, or southern region. Um, and so it was a lot of car miles. And really what we were doing more than anything was workers comp. That that is the that's probably ninety five percent of of what a PI does. Um, the four I'm just throwing numbers, but probably maybe four percent of that is uh, accident injuries. Um, you know, maybe you get involved in an accident with just like a UPS driver or, or an eighteen wheeler and and claim an injury that you can't work, and, and so it might be their insurance companies making sure that what you sure. say is is accurate in in those five years i did two cases that were husband and wife it's just too expensive um of a of a thing to do for for people to to sure. to do for uh, the husband and wife types of things um but that's what people think it is sure. it's just not it's workers comp it's 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 and then you're you're basically you go and you set up you sit a long time in a car in all types of the year. So if it's summer, you're, you know, you're sweating your tail off. Uh, you're, you're trying to start your car every now and then when nobody's around. So you can get a little blast of air. Um, you, you, you pray for cold weather because it's a lot more comfortable sitting in a, in a cold car than a hot car. Um, and when you see the person, you're actually not taking pictures like Magnum PI and all that kind of stuff. You're you're using video camera and you're capturing uh, video. And so our job is not to get them. Our job, or, or at the time, was to capture video so that they the the clients then could see uh, for themselves what the people were capable of. Um, and well. You know, it's hit and miss what you, you get them doing things that they're not supposed to. And you, you get them doing, you know, you see injury. So it's, you know, the, the job is not a gotcha. It, it's really just there to, to make sure that those people are, are are not taking advantage of the system for the client. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Jay. That was not as exciting as I thought. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. 
I was looking for some like cops and robbers and, you know, yeah. the wife cheating on the husband and some really, yeah. so, that, so that, you know, being um, probably not as fulfilling as you thought led you into uh, going back to school, finishing, you know, your education and getting into um, the education world. Was there, was there a pivotal, you know, was there something pivotal that happened in your life? Was there a moment where you, you know, you can remember thinking, you know, I want to be a coach or I want to be a teacher or I want to be in the education field. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up playing soccer and baseball um, from the time that I could be in any sort of organized sports. Um, played football a little bit. Be perfectly honest with you, when I was younger in Pee Wee, uh, it just wasn't my thing. Um I, I did pick up football in high school. So, so athletics were always a part of my life. It was just, what was the sport? And then I played um, in, in the air force. I continued playing on the base and squadron teams. So it, I always had this passion for competing. And, and to me, I, I didn't know any other way to compete, but sports. Um, when I got out and was working as a PI, I coached uh, uh, a soccer team. And that was my, you know, coaching in, in kind of that club world was was my ex, my first experience in actual coaching. Um, I, I, I kind of led our base team, um, but but that wasn't coaching. Sure. That's like playing on an adult league and organizing adults. Um, but I really loved coaching that that club team while I was um, doing that PI work and. And I knew that my path, like I never changed my college path. It, it, it was always, I, I came out of, of, I graduated with a minor in, in education. So I didn't have to go the alternative certification route. I did student teaching and everything as part of my college. So that, that for me was my plan when I was able to, and honestly, I would have done it sooner uh, and, and finished sooner, but getting out of the, the Air Force, I needed to work for family. Uh, I had my son and like I said, my daughter was on the way. And so the PI route was a way to support and, and bring money in versus going to school. Um, but really what changed my mind and, and just, I, I just kind of had a kick in the pants and say, look, I'm spending half of the month in a hotel on the road and, you know, my wife and kids were, were back home. Like I've got to do something that's more stable um, so that I can be around my family more. And so that was really when I, I decided to switch to part-time and go back and finish school. So uh, athletics was always part of that plan. And, and honestly, I'm, you know, things happen, you know, um, when they're supposed to happen. And, you know, so no complaints about my, my path. I've enjoyed it. I've got great experiences and while it is boring, um, there are some great stories and I'm glad I did the PI world because it's, sure. it's a conversation piece for sure, but it's just not glamorous. <laughs> sure. Well, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as you, you know, we're talking about making that transition. I heard Houston nut one time say when he got through playing ball at Oklahoma state, you know, like he was thinking about, you know, what he was going to do. He was trying to go play pro or whatever. And he had never thought about being a coach. Well, Jimmy Johnson asked him, you know, would he come back and stay in the dorm and be, you know, a graduate assistant, like stay in the dorm. And he's in the dorm day one, you know, in his room and somebody 
knocks on the door and they say, Hey coach. And he opens the door and he's like, who are you looking for? You know, like, I'm not a coach. I'm a player, you know? And, but he went back and he said, the guy asked him, um, he had a problem and he gave it to coach nut, you know, who, you know, didn't think he was a coach and, you know, coach nut solved the problem for him. And when he closed the door and sat down, he, his thought was, man, that was awesome. Like this dude just came to me with an issue. I solved the issue. Like this coaching thing might be for me. You know what I mean? Then he embarks on, you know, a great career um, as a coach. Let me ask you this in your, in your current um, position as athletic director of a large school district, what, you know, from your past, you know, the, the different things that you have been through the different avenues that you, you know, the air force and the PI, what skills from the other fields did you bring into that job that has helped you be, um, you know, really good at what you do? So, you know, that somewhat of a tough question because you, you have to kind of talk about your strengths. Um, sure. Bit. And so, so I'm going to answer that kind of the way that I started with everything matters because it's, it's been um, kind of heavy on my heart as of late, but, but my past from playing athletics and having that, that structure in high school um, which I think is extremely important, whether it's athletics or fine arts, like sure. get plugged into some club or program in high school because that's that structure is so important. Um, but but between early athletics, um, going into the military and then and then working, one of the greatest uh, benefits in my life was uh, my grandfather and the model that. That, so I, I didn't have a father in my life. I, I have clearly have a, a father, but um, I, I didn't have the type of role models in my life. Uh, I, I was the kid that we talk about that, hey, coaches are so important because yeah. of th- this kid needs us. Um, and, and I needed coaches. The exception to that was I had a I had a, a grandparents that were freaking awesome. And my grandfather was such a great male role model for me that I hope that in, in that, uh, forward, you, you know, that was, I read that forward, um, at his funeral. Right. Um, and, and probably went longer than the preacher, but you know, he was worth it. So, so for me, that's, that's the most important. I draw the most strength, um, from his model and if I can evaluate my leadership style um, and really look at what am I doing and what would he be proud of or what would, how can I compare that to him? That's, that's really what I do. Um, but I, I think kind of in summing all of that up, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm fairly organized, um, a little bit anal about how things are placed. Um, so structure is important. Uh, I like plans. Um, you know, plans are, are, are made to be changed, but you know, without one, it's, you're just, you know, running about, uh, not really gaining any, any great ground. So I would like some sort of structure with, with, uh, with a plan the ability to, I think what, you know, from, from my coaching days to now, probably one of my greatest growths has been the ability to, 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 uh, in Jocko's um, terminology to detach. 
just take a step back instead of react, process a little bit, take a deep breath and think about what's about to happen. It's, it's so important no matter what role we are uh, in life, but in a leadership role, a wrong response is going to hurt you for a long time. Um, and so if the opportunity allows for uh, that detachment and that pause, um, you are going to be uh, much better off down the line taking that second or taking that you know hour or 24 hours or whatever the the the, the opportunity allows to to process and think about the the path forward and how you're going to handle this so um i've gotten better at that i was not always good at that um and and i think this role develops that and and it develops it through lessons learned like it, we're going to fall down in leadership roles. We're not going to be um, always perfect. We're, matter of fact, we're not going to be perfect. But if if we're evaluative and reflective of of what we have just done, and and really honestly assess, okay, I I did that. I did a good job at that. And then try and replicate that. Or man, I really dropped the ball today. Um, now. How do I fix it? How do I mend that relationship? How do I make myself better so I don't make that mistake again? Um, those are things that I think I've I've become somewhat good at over the last probably four or five years. Um, and and John, I you know you talk about a morning routine, um, and I know you have one. These books to me are that's my morning routine writing is such a reflective process that really these are me talking uh, in some ways to myself. Um, and, and I think that's where a lot of growth happens. Um, and, and I know it's not the greatest answer for what you asked, but um, you, you know, trying to have a set of core values and live by those. And, and that is, you know, to me, that's making my grandfather proud. And at the same time, it's doing, uh, the job or what my district expects of me in my job. So if I'm, if I'm making my grandfather proud um, by living those core values and what he modeled, then I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing for my district. And, and I think that's uh, the, the special part for me is he is still impacting others through me. Um, and, you know, I, I just hope to continue doing that for him. That's awesome, Jay. And, I, you know, the book, if you haven't written it down yet, write it down. It's Everything Matters, Jay Zeller. That's his latest book that he's written. He's written three, but I would suggest you get it. It's absolutely awesome. You know, every chapter is, you know, something that matters. You matter. Discipline matters. Consistency matters. Attitude matters. There's so many uh, nuggets in there. And then, like he said, the forward um, that he wrote is the eulogy that he delivered at his grandfather's um, funeral. And it's, you know, it's an absolute great book. You know, like I, I, I have a method for reading where I underline, you know, asterisk, like I, I make notes in it. And, you know, that book is marked up because there's unlimited nuggets in that book, you know, so I would suggest everybody go on Amazon and, and buy everything matters. Everybody, subscribe to his podcast the coach's impact podcast is 
um, just started and new, and it's going to be absolutely awesome. You know, one of the things that I'm most drawn to are people that wake up every single day and strive to get better, you know, and I know you're one of those guys. As time narrows down, I do have a couple questions, just maybe two more. Um, number one, what what is okay, because I know you're that type of person, what are some of the things you do on a daily basis, you know, habits, disciplines, um, routines, or something like that, that you do on a daily basis that allows you to grow or to be um, working at growing every single day? Do you have some things you could share? Yeah. So when I'm, I'll give you kind of my morning routine. And so when I'm locked in, like right now, I'm, I'm, I'm off of my morning routine because I'm, I'm, I typically start with a walk. Um, and right now I'm, I'm not walking because my feet are recovering. Sure. Um, but that walk could be, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand this. That walk could be 30 minutes um, or it could be four miles. Um, it really just depends on where I'm at and what I'm, what I need, um, what I might be training for at the time. During this last um, training process, what I found was awesome, um, and, and it only requires about a mile and a half. But there's a there's a, a little small a small little lake in within my neighborhood, and when I walk, it, it's about you know it's, I start off and the sun's not quite up yet. Well, there's two spots along my my path that are just fantastic spots for sunrise and one of them is this old looking weird tree but the sun comes up right behind it and so what I started doing probably a month before the race was every morning I was walking and it was about getting that sunrise picture and and I posted in our district um, group and so I would get that first picture of that tree and then I would continue on to the to the edge of the lake and then the sun's up you know, it's just now starting to come up above those trees and, and the differences in the, in those two pictures, I would, I put them in a pic collage and then, and then put them in our group. And what I found was unique. And I didn't know this until probably the, a few days in, uh, it, it, it came, became a realization every day is a new day and the pictures were always different. Wow. Um, and what I took from that was, hey, today's a new day. Tomorrow's done. Can I learn from that from from yesterday? Sure, but I've got to set out and make today different and and better than yesterday. Um, and so I, I will soon get back to those two picture spots because I, I think it wanted it was a way to. I didn't want to miss a sunrise. That meant I was out walking. Um, and two, it just it is so reflective to be out walking. I walk by myself because my wife can't see in the dark. So we have different uh, plans as far as our exercise. Um, I know you walk, you know, with your wife, but I think find something that allows you to take in that that reflective piece during your walk um, or, or to just talk to somebody else in a different way than when you're just sitting on the, you know, in your recliners. The conversation is going to be different. So find that piece. So that's one. And then the second thing that I do, so I would come in and, and clean up. And before I leave for work, I have a home office. Uh, and that's kind of my quiet, reflective time. So I'm either A, reading 
or I'm writing. And, and it really just kind of depends on where I'm at at that point in time. Am I, am I going to read a book for 30 minutes or am I going to write for about 30 minutes? Uh, e either one uh, has great value. Um, to be perfectly honest, I, for me, uh, because of the way I feel like I express myself, I, I talk to myself a lot through the writing and it, it just, it's constant feedback. And, and I like, everything matters to me is sure. really a lot of me talking. Now, I need all of that. Uh, sure. I need those constant reminders in, in, in different things. So it, it's a, it's a reflection of ideas that just go on paper. And then, you know, I'm like, I have all this, why not share it? Who cares how many are sold it, but sure. you know, it's, it's too easy of a process to, to not publish. And so, you know, I would encourage anybody to to just sit down and figure out something and start writing it. So it doesn't have to be any set number of pages, uh, but just write. It's so good for the for the mind. Um, and then, you know, that's my morning routine. Uh, and then I go into work and, and start getting it. Um, Let me ask you this. Is there is there a wake up time? So it, it honestly, it really depends. Um, if, if I know that I'm needing more high mileage, cause I'm training for something that I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, but I need to be in the office about seven 30 to eight ish. And so if I can do that, if, if I'm just going to go walk a mile, then I'm probably getting up, you know, about five 30 or so, uh, really no set time because I I'm somewhat flexible. Um, uh, but 5.30 for, for just a short daily walk, um, and that gives me time to do my reading and then get into work. If I'm doing something, it could be 4.30 uh, because I I am not going to be successful at training in the evening after work. Too too much stuff. Like my my wife is awake, um, so that's our, you know, we, our kids are, are growing and out of the house. So that's our time, really. And I really don't want to use that to train for something that's for me. So, and plus I'm just, I can get up early and it's no problem. So uh, it's easier and better for me in, in my life to get up early. She's still in bed, knock out my stuff, start my day out right, come in here and then go to work and then come in in the evening whenever I come in. Cause you know, in our world, you know, that could be five 30. They could also be 10 30. Amen. So um, I need to make uh, carve out that time in the morning. Some people, the evening is better for them, but sure. I would tell people do what works for you. Just do. Yeah. I set my, you know, like I learned very early on in the walking deal that it is not going to happen for John Perry in the evening time. Like it is not going to happen. Like there, there ain't, if I don't go in the morning, I'm not going, you know, and it, maybe I'm not tough enough or, you know, so that I just set my intentions you know, to wake up at five o'clock every day and, you know, get that walk in. And man, I'm going to tell you what, I, I still don't enjoy walking. Like that thought of setting that intention, that alarm clock going off, putting on them shoes, like I'm not super fired up. Yeah. But, you know, when we hit that road and we start listening to something, we have this, I have these uh, ear pods where I put one in the left ear yeah. She puts one in the right ear and then we yeah. walk with me on the left and her on the right. So we can still communicate with two open ears, but we are listening to something. And then at the conclusion awesome. of the walk, you know, we will say a prayer together, you know, to start our day off or to pray about people in our lives that need a prayer or good Lord to pray, pray for ourselves because 
You know, nobody's exempt from adversity. And, you know, that has been a game changer. When you walk, are you listening to something? Are you not listening to something? Does it depend on the day? Like what's what's going on there? Yeah, um, I would say 99% of the time I am always listening to something. Um, I So I, I like Tuesdays and Thursdays and Thursdays. Um, now, because, you know, in the last, I don't know, a couple of months, Ed, Ed Milet, his, his, he, he always offers his, his Tuesday with a guest, but then he does a Thursday solo. Um, so those are almost always my, my Tuesday and Thursday, what I'm going to listen to, because it's easiest for me to knock those out. Um, but one of the other things that I do, um, I, uh, back in probably January, February, I think of this year, I, so we do a coach's impact, um, kind of a local professional growth type of thing. And, and so, you know, for about a, a month, every month, we'll, I'll have a different discussion topic. And, you know, they can post on this online chat forum. And it's just a way to, to learn from each other and grow and get people thinking uh, online instead of meeting in person. Well, I ended up doing, uh, started on a what on WhatsApp, and I've switched to Sports U. Um, but I'll post a daily coach's impact to my coaches. And so part of my walk on the day when I'm not listening to my lead or, or a different audiobook or something is I'm finding a video on YouTube. Um, maybe I'm, I've listened to success hotline and, and maybe there was something, you know, Dr. Gilbert talked about and I'm, I'm posting that, but I'm posting something most of the time. It's some sort of audio video file. Um, occasionally it's, it's a book or quote, but while I'm walking, I find whatever speaks to me and I'm, then I start kind of telling a little bit about, you know, how, what that means to me and, and then our job here. And so that's a lot of what I accomplish on the walk is a little bit of podcast or, or audio book or something. I don't listen to music when I'm walking. Sure. A little bit different when I run, I'm probably listening to music. Understood. Um, because I can't really think and process while I'm running. It doesn't work for me. And, and so I almost don't even know what the podcast just said. Sure. So, um, but that I typically have the coaches impact sports you updated during my walk or right when I come home from the walk and I sit down and finish typing it out on my, my type, you know, typing it out on my phone and then posting that that's, and I tell people that's as much, you know, a, a selfish Avenue kind of like writing it. It's as much for me as it is for anybody else. Those yeah. are messages to me that I'm sharing. Um, but you want to talk about what I think is pretty darn valuable. Um, try doing that. It's just a daily message. Um, it doesn't have to be long but you find some sort of inspirational video, whether it's Inky or, you know, John Gordon or anything. Um, and it's a, you know, I, I try to keep them below 10 minutes because I know if they're going to watch it, it needs to probably be pretty sure. quick and they may or may not read what I have to say about it. I don't sure. know. Some of them probably do it all. So I, I do my best to limit it, but at the same time, it, it's a, it's, it's a reflective process. So, you know, and it's also it, it you know, you're also building the skill of discipline because you know I started out the year on January the first or second and was going to write that one percent article yeah for 365 days and I made it 121 and I'm gonna tell you what like it was hard you know like it became hard it became 
Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you know, so in one sense I failed because I did set out the intention to do it 365 days, but it became uh, very tough to do. And it made me respect the people that send me something every day. Like, you know, Dr. Gilbert with the success hotline, Brian, yeah. the daily discipline, you know, uh, Ryan Hawk with the learning leader, like to do it every single day. You know, it's really hard, you know, because you have to be on the lookout for like, heck, we don't have all that information stored between our ears, you know, like yeah. you have to be on the lookout yeah. for that, you know, and it is, that's tough, but it is, you know, as Brian Kite would tell you, you know, discipline is a skill that can be attained, trained, learned, built, you know, just like anything else can. Let, you know, let me, let me just kind of jump in and just tell you the irony of, of what you just said and in my most recent experience. So you went 121 days and and discovered how hard that is and, you know, and how much more you admire the people that do it on a daily basis. So coincidentally, my last annual Vol State, I went 122 miles and DNF'd because I realized, you know, you know what that meant, but the, you know, the, the Dr. Terry's of the world are still out there grinding and, you know, it takes, it takes that, that discipline. It takes that you have to build the capacity to do those types of things. And, you know, and I think what, what you've probably learned, what I've learned in, in, in these experiences, which are very similar, but, but very different. Um, we, we both realize that there's a, there's another level and it's, and it may not be that we, we can't accomplish at that level, but we find a different thing. So you, you have found this, uh, this podcast and it's a, it's, it's a, it's an avenue that is doable, uh, where you can reach people like, excuse me, um, like your daily message, but it's, sure. and it works for you. And it's, it is part of, of how you can operate and give back. And I think we have to find, don't, don't settle for comfort, but see what is attainable and then go do it. Um, and, and then try and stretch yourself from there. But I, and I think what you, I think knowing you the way that I do, I think this podcast is going to grow you astronomically because of the people that you're going to be talking to along the way, like, good gosh, man, the the people you've already got, holy cow. Um, You're going to grow so much more that if you were to start January 1st next year and try that same newsletter, uh, man, it it might be a world difference for you uh, because of the nuggets that you gain through the podcast. And so I would say just keep, keep getting after it. And, and doing good things because you're regardless of whether it's a Twitter newsletter um, or, sure. or the podcast, like you're reaching somebody and, you know, if you're growing along the way and you can reach somebody else, then, sure. um, you know, it's all worth it. Well, you've said this several times in this episode <clears throat> that, you know, you need it as much as anybody needs it. And it reminds me of the message, you know, we just currently took a, a plane trip to uh, Florida. And, you know, when they get on there, they say, if cabin pressure fails, the mask drops, put the mask on yourself first, because if you don't help yourself, you can't help anybody. So the reason why 
you know, one of the reasons why you do a podcast or you write a book or you do a 1% journal is because you need it the most, you know, like you're, you're doing it to help yourself. Now, you know, the ultimate purpose is to serve other people, but you know, like you have to serve yourself to grow, you know, and that's, you know, I do find that. And I think this podcast thing is a new challenge because I'm going to try, you know, from the 1%, you know, learning from that, I'm going to try to put one out every single Monday and every single Thursday. And, you know, it's going to make me be intentional about myself learning and growing. And, you know, two of the books I've read was Ryan Hawks. He wrote a book, uh, uh, management something, you know, after 300 interviews, he wrote a book and it was about the 300 interviews. So, I mean, you think about how much knowledge he gained from interviewing 300 people. And then he wrote a book after 500, the pursuit of excellence, man, fantastic read, you know, and that's, you know, he has increased his knowledge by just being curious, you know, and I think that's one of the traits that you possess that, um, you know, I admire. All right. On a, on a parting shot, getting out of here, give me a couple of books. Uh, you've given me the Ed Milet podcast, which is also one of mine, you know, give me another, if there are, is another podcast or something, you know, um, that you do to grow intentionally, like what are a couple of books that have been, you know, uh, big in in your life yeah so i I mean i would i would have to say that at this point the the most impactful book i think for me um and and i didn't even you know i just learned about it and and i'll show you a picture but this is it's not about the miles like i have used nuggets from from dr worsbacher's book um, for my daily coaches impact. Like I have used some of her life less life lesson quote quotes or, or, or whatever. Um, Ed, my the power of one more. Ooh, so, yeah. so my I really didn't know. I mean, I knew my um, but I didn't know my until, uh, let's see, uh, 2022, I believe it was Ed, my was on the, the power of one more, with John Gordon. Yep. Uh, power positive. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, power positive with John Gordon. And he talked about, of course, he was on his book tour for the most part, but he talked about the power of one more and the story behind it. Um, and his dad being an alcoholic and and then becoming his hero and all of that. So uh, since then, I, so much of his story resonates with me because my dad was an alcoholic, but he never turned around. Sure. Um, and, and that really got me curious about him and, and almost, I almost felt a sense of ease, even though I didn't know him because we had gone down similar paths. It made me curious about him. So I, I read the book, uh, I, I read Max out, uh, and then yeah. I, then I started doing the podcast. And, and so I've really become a fan of, of my let. So if my let puts something out there, it's going to have a shot with me. Me too. Um, I feel uh, like he is genuine. Um, and, and who knows if I'm right or wrong? Uh, the guy's got some money. So, but yes. he comes across extremely genuine and compassionate for people. I feel like he does it for the right reasons. Um, and our stories are somewhat similar uh, as far as our parents, uh, that it intrigued me and drew me to him. So, I, I encourage people to read and listen to him and see if it speaks to you, but, but no matter what, find something that, 
you know, don't take my word for something and, and read it because it what what speaks to me may not speak to you. Um, so find something or someone that speaks to you. I will tell you, other than than those, I enjoy the John Gordon's books because a book better be really good and mean something to me, or I'm reading words, but it's it's not going in here, and I don't really know what I read. Um John Gordon has a knack for telling stories and and really allowing me to stay with it. Um, and I guess just kind of wrapping up, Dr. Gilbert's awesome. You mentioned it. Um, it's too easy to not do the success hotline. Sure. Um, but if you get an opportunity to listen to him more, um, what a what a guy he is. And so I guess I would plug, you know, how you and I came to know each other, and that would be through the, the mastermind uh, and ours just ha so happens to be the elite coaches mastermind, but network with other people that are growth minded, um, whether they're in your career field or not. Uh, we, we in, in the mastermind have learned from people that are not coaches. Um, and it's, I think it's important to, to venture outside of your comfort zone. And in, in, in this sense, it's, it's the coaching world. Like we're comfortable X's and O's, but imagine like, you know, Randy and I, that Randy Jackson, the, you know, elite coaches, mastermind founder, he's an old school football guy. Like you and him have way different conversations than you and I will have and that Randy and I will have. But Randy and I have been good friends for, you know, probably six, seven years now. Like we are the odd couple. Uh, it's a it's an old soccer coach and an old football coach, but we have commonality in that we're growth minded and we want to be better. And so we, we get outside of the X's and O's and figure out where we're similar. And we, we, I think then help each other grow. And it's, it's awesome when you're able to kind of tear down those walls, get beyond your, you know, your uh, sport and really learn from people that, you know, it could be a girls basketball coach, a softball coach, a tennis or anybody but it, it, it could also, you know, heck, we learned from, you know, the the uh, the rodeo uh, lady. Um, yes, Doreen. Doreen. Um, so just be willing and open to to learn from people because the experiences that they can share with you that you may never encounter are are huge. And if you can take those and apply them in your world. Um, you're going to expose then kids or other adults sure. to things they may never have been exposed to. So it's, it's so important to get outside of your, your element. Yeah. And I would say this, you know, the elite coaches mastermind that, you know, we are a part of that Randy Jackson kind of heads up. You can find more about that at coachrandyjackson.com, and you don't have to be a coach to sign up, you know, some of the benefits and I've had a ton of them, you know, like meeting you or, uh, two weeks ago, John Snelson, who was just named the president of the Texas, whatever. DHSCA. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he walks in my field house in Nixon, Missouri, right? Like we have become, <laughs> I get a text message from him every single day. Like he sends out a little daily positive deal every single day, you know, um, wow. some of the interviews, the relationships that we have gotten by being in that group, you just got to be willing to jump in a group, you know, like yes. we were born we were intended to be in community, you know, and that community right there has opened up lots of 
uh, relationships that I would have no way of having, you know, and that's, you know, what I think is great about joining a group, whether it's that group or whether, you know, it's some other group, you know, I think in the business world, those people are more likely to hire coaches, join masterminds than necessarily the coaches are. And I don't know why that is, but I mean, you know, we need to reach out to find ourselves, the groups and the communities to get in, to be able to grow and learn. And I think that is, you know, that, that has been really big uh, for me. And, you know, I still go back and watch the ones that are in the vault, you know, like everybody that we've ever had talked to us is in the vault. And, you know, I go back and watch those from time to time. All right. My last question, and we're going to uh, get out of here. We may have to do this again sometime because I've got a full page of notes. I never got to, but my <laughs> last question for Zay, Jay Zeller is what makes you happy? Um, family, uh, you know, what I'm realizing at this point in my life is really that's what matters. And <clears throat> I'm doing my job well, if I'm a good model, um, for my family, if I'm, you know, I talked about my grandfather and if I'm making him proud, then, then I'm doing my job well, but the most important, my why is, is my wife, uh, my kids. And now John at 47, I have four grandkids and you want to talk about different level of happiness. Um, you know, I, 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 we joke that, you know, my, my three kids, like you guys are back burner now, now it's Rochelle and the grandkids. So come on with it. Um, but my, what I say that I'm put on, on this earth to do is, is to be a good husband and father and to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't always been that. Sure. And it, you know, when I was coaching, I got out of coaching because of the the time away. My son was a sophomore and I had just finished my master's in, in uh, administration. Um, and so I had that in my back pocket. And I really wasn't ready to be done coaching, but I realized I was missing my son's events. Um you know, I would go when I could, but he he played football and soccer. And at the time I was coaching volleyball and soccer at a different school. And so I was only getting to see what my schedule allowed me to see when when my teams weren't competing. My wife was always there. Like we've been present with our kids, but I haven't been as present as I wanted or should have been to my own kids. And so getting into administration, it was about family. And not so much about wanting to be away from coaches. And so for me, that it, it, a lot of now is is trying to make up for some lost years and and just not being a bad dad, but not being as present for my kids as I was for my program's kids. And now at this stage in our life, you know, Rochelle and I made this move to to Clute, Texas, which is down on the, the Texas coast. Uh, about 30 minutes from Galveston and we for the first time we made a move without our kids my my older two were were already kind of off married and doing their thing and my youngest stayed in the the Waco area and you know she was already set to venture out and she's got her apartment and this kind of stuff she's living her life now right and so Rochelle and I moved down here and the most awesome is for one we love it down here it's been just a, a fantastic move and what I'm about to say we could do from anywhere, but what we have discovered is 
kind of each other again yep. um, to be kind of sappy. I, you know, we married, we got married two weeks after I graduated high school. Wow. And then I went off to the air force. Like we didn't have money. <laughs> we weren't dating. We were maybe renting a blockbuster movie if we could afford it. <laughs> right. And, uh, we, we might be having a, a you know, a, a tuna sandwich from the, from the shop ed on base, depending on, uh, or ramen noodles like life was hard but we had each other what's so awesome now is we have the means to really kind of date and travel and man we have traveled more in this last year and a half to two years than we ever have because we have the ability to but we also don't have the kids and so i think our relationship has grown um because of the time that we're able to spend together now She'll go with me to games um, as long as I'm kind of sitting in the stands. She doesn't sure. go to football with me because I, I stand on the sidelines. But if I go to basketball or volleyball or something like that, she'll travel and go with me because we can just be together. Sure. And um, that, that's been awesome. So, you know, my why is is being everything that I can be for my kids and my wife and, and my grandkids so that. It, it, what I'm modeling, hopefully they pick up on and start that down that path a lot sooner <clears throat> than I did. Um, and so that's, and, and I would say that that's, that's Rochelle's goal as well, but in her own way, uh, we're different people, sure. um, but it, you know, it works for us. And so if, if we're both living our why and being great examples and models for our kids, they're getting kind of the full spe spectrum um, and, and so that's kind of what we live for right now. Jay, man, I surely appreciate it. Like if this has been outstanding. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed the conversation. I think it's been fantastic. Um, never stop getting better. Like that's the name of the podcast, but that also reminds me of you, you know, and it reminds me of, you know, some of the best people that I want to talk to are those that, you know, represent what that stands for. And you truly represent that. So I hope everybody that has tuned in, has enjoyed the conversation. Um, Jay, thank you for being a part. Thank you for taking the time, man. I learned a ton. Um, I gr grew more admiration for you um, with the race and the, the, you know, conversation that we've had. So, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of the never stop getting better. If you enjoyed this podcast, Man, share it with somebody, share it with a friend, send it to somebody because, you know, there was a lot of uh, things that I'll put in the show notes about ways you can grow, you know, through his books, through his podcast, you know, through other people's books and podcasts. You know, um, I think there'll be a ton of growth opportunities that come out of this hour right here. Thank you very much, Jay. I appreciate you, John. It's, it's a good time talking with you. Until next time. Adios, amigos.